Welcome to another edition of our Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. It is great to have you with us alongside Blue Ribbon's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. We are making our way through the summer. Chris and I are taking a break from uh, household chores, which we don't necessarily enjoy. We'll talk about some hoops. We're going to have also Jeff Cabe with us, the uh, Senior Associate Commissioner of the Southern Conference in just a few minutes. Chris, what's going on? Well, uh, like you said, I've done my best to avoid household chores. Uh I did do some painting though, which yeah. for me, you know, that's, that's quite a step because uh, I'm not exactly going to have my own HGTV network <laughs> show anytime soon. Uh, not a handyman at all. So uh, when you see me with a paintbrush in my hand, that's the extent of my skills. Yeah. For me, it was uh, doing power washing and uh, resealing our driveway and patio and front porch and a couple walkways. And, uh, that, that was way bigger of a project than I really bargained for. Uh, luckily we had a friend who helped out with some of the pressure washing, uh, when I got down close to the end. So, uh, that, that saved some time there, but it was a, uh, large messy project, but I got it all done. It looks okay. It, it's kind of like uh, some of my other work. If you don't look really closely, it's probably all right. If you get it right, right up on the driveway in a few spots, it looks a little spotty, but uh, it'll get the job done. It, it rained the other day, and it all sort of, you know, uh, puddled on top like it's supposed to with the new ceiling. So uh, hopefully uh, that, that was a good sign. But I'm, I'm glad well, to have that behind me. That's very similar uh, description that uh, can be used for my painting. If, if you don't look too close, it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, we got that in common. Well, Chris, uh, you know, we'll talk about some uh, some hoops. We mentioned Jeff's going to join us in just a little bit. Going to be, uh, We'll talk a little about a, a way too early top 25 we've both seen and also some of the uh, new things with the NIL stuff that's going on. Realignment has been, of course, a big topic in college athletics here in these last couple weeks with stuff that started to come down in the middle of SEC football media days last week. I guess, uh, and I, I will disclose that I, I'm prevented from really commenting specifically on the uh, the teams that are potentially involved uh, due to my job at an SEC institution. But I'll, I'll ask you, uh, how you feel about this whole thing? What do you think the fit might be? And really, to me, the bigger question is, what all happens after this potential uh, part of it is done? Well, as you know, I'm not as versatile as you. I'm a one-trick pony, uh, a basketball nerd. Uh, in your capacity, you have gone back and forth between several college sports. So I'll come, I can comment mostly with basketball, although obviously any, anybody that follows college athletics could see that if the SEC were to gain Texas and Oklahoma, that would be a boon uh, across the board, but especially in football. Um, so it was a shocker to me just to hear it. Although, you know, the Longhorn network has been in existence for years. So it's not really a surprise that Texas knows uh, the value of its media rights that it's sitting on. And, you know, it's not a surprise that Oklahoma would follow suit either. Now, strictly speaking, let, let's say, and, and I know the SEC is meeting on Thursday. Uh, that could be a pretty short meeting. Uh, hey, Texas and Oklahoma want to join. It's like, okay, well, when can they come? Uh, I, I have heard that Texas A&M may not like it, but, uh, you know, they wanted to be the only team in the SEC f- from the Texas market. But, you know, they'll continue to be, you know, they'll, they'll continue to be Texas A&M, which 
solid. Uh, Buzz Williams is still trying to get it together with the basketball program. But speaking purely of basketball, if if you had Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, you know, the ACC got 15 teams. Now the SEC gets 16. And just judging by what Chris Beard has done in Texas since April or March when he took over the job, he's put together just a ridiculous recruiting class, mostly out of the portal. Uh, and, and, you know, ironically, uh, uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma has a new coach too, and Porter Moser, Lon Kruger, done a great job there for years. I think Chris Beard and Porter Moser will continue on uh, the success of those programs. And I think Chris Beard has already taken Texas to another level. For whatever reason, Shaka Smart just couldn't get it done there. That was kind of a surprise to me. Uh, but Chris Beard will get it done. Uh, it was the best hire uh, in college basketball this offseason. He's done the best job uh, restocking his roster this offseason. Uh, so, yeah, it, it could be huge for, for SEC basketball and make it just a murderer's row. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it boggles the mind. It really does. And it just wonders – you just wonder, and Jeff Cabe, our, our, our guest, is is an old friend, and he's been a conference associate commissioner for a long time, and he can tell us sort of the repercussions uh, on down the line, maybe yeah. uh, all the way down to mid-majors. But, wow, it's that's a bombshell, and it, it just makes too much sense for all parties for it not to happen. But what, what it does for the rest of – the Big 12, the rest of college sports, I don't know. Yeah, there, there are a lot of moving parts. Anytime something like this happens, you think back to the last round of realignment in college sports where you had Nebraska and Maryland and, and Rutgers all end up in the Big 10. You had West Virginia end up in the uh, – the big 12, you know, some of the moves and some of the geographic parts of these things don't always make a whole lot of sense. And sometimes I think teams may be better served to stay put, but there's so much money involved that it makes it impossible to, uh, to turn down those opportunities when you have them. So we'll, we'll see what happens here, what the repercussions as you described on down the way, because it, it affects way more than just a couple of teams typically when these, uh, these things go down. So uh, we'll, we will definitely uh, keep an eye on what's going on and talk to uh, Jeff more about that uh, here shortly. Uh, ESPN is out with this way too early top 25. Uh, our, our previous guest, Jeff Borzello, who's uh, joined us on our, on our podcast before, Gonzaga, Kansas, UCLA, Villanova, and Texas. You talked about the major transfers they have added, including Marcus Carr from Minnesota, Dylan DeSue from Vanderbilt. you got Timmy Allen and Trey Mitchell, Chris Beard on board now as, as head coach. They've done a lot of stuff. Uh, Kentucky 8, Duke 10, other SEC teams, Arkansas 13, Alabama 15, Tennessee 17, and Auburn at number 21. But it's way too early for a top 25, but at the same time, some of the uh, the transfer things are shaking out, and you, you sort of know now more of where people are going to be, who's going to be in the draft, who's not going to be, if that happens here in just a couple of days. So uh, maybe getting a little better feel for what some of these teams might at least look like on paper when we get closer to the season. Yeah, I, I think so. I still find it – a lot of people think that Gonzaga is number one, and, and I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, at all but 
if you look at, at, at Jeff's projected starting lineup, they've got three freshmen in there. Of course, one of them is Chet Holmgren, who, you know, Paul Biancardi was on our show a few months ago and talked about how great Chet is, 7-1 center. He's really thin, but I looked at uh, under-19 uh, FIBA World Cup, which the U.S., uh, I'm proud to say, won the gold medal. And Holmgren was a stat sheet stuffer, just like he uh, always uh, is. And he's a great facilitator. He can shoot the three. He can rebound, affect shots, score in the post, put it on the floor. Uh, so he's atypical. But Jeff has got Nolan Hickman and Hunter Solis in, in the starting lineup, too, uh, along with a couple of veterans, Drew Timmy, who may be the preseason national player of the year, and Andrew Nembhard. So that's a solid lineup, and I, I cannot – I still haven't made up my mind for Blue Ribbon. Uh, he's got Kansas at number two. I, I think Remy Martin's transfer from Arizona State to, to KU was huge and, and really lifted them, I think. And then UCLA at number three. And I, right now UCLA might be my number one. Uh, just because they've got everybody back. Johnny Juzang withdrew his name from the draft. And they added Peyton Watson, a, a, a top 10 national player, five-star guy. And Miles Johnson, the big guy from, from Rutgers, who averaged eight boards and two assists. Uh, so, uh, I'm, I mean, two blocks. So, that just gives UCLA a, a presence in the middle. So, it, it'll be among those three, I think, that, that Blue Ribbon picks at number one. But I always agonize on these things. Right. Uh, we try to get it right, and we, we try to pick some teams that other people aren't picking. I think last year we, we scored with Alabama, and they did not let me down. This year, uh, my Alabama-esque team might be Mississippi State. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really do think that they might end up in our preseason top 25. So it'll be interesting to see how ours compares with some of the others that come out. Chris, our guest this week is a guy I know you've been friends with for a long time. He is the uh, Senior Associate Commissioner of the Southern Conference, done a great job in that league for many years. He is Jeff Cabe. Jeff, how you doing? Doing well, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, Jeff, we, we want to ask you, whenever there's something that, that, has, that could make a seismic shift in college athletics, you're our go-to dude. Uh, <laughs> I know you study it as well as anybody. Uh, not to embarrass you, but I'm going to brag on you a little bit. When conference shifting reached down to your league and took Davidson and College of Charleston and others, I think your league uh, recovered as well as any mid-major uh, to the point where you're in consistently right around that top 10 in, in the Ken Palm ratings for, for conferences. So congrats on that. Uh, so you're well qualified to speak about Texas and Oklahoma. What do you think happens now? Um, people are talking about the death of, of the NCAA with the NIL. Give us your take on the big picture, man. It's it's confusing as hell. It's confusing to all of us. And if I'm your go-to guy, then you're you're, you're pretty desperate. <laughs> I, I don't think uh, I don't think anybody really knows. You know, I, I think it's a kind of a take-it-as-it-comes approach. There's, there's obviously been a lot of um, 
a very uh, uh, high profile changes, I think, uh, to the way that um, uh, college athletics is going to be doing business. Obviously, NIL uh, made a big splash when that when that kicked in. Uh, I think it will continue to be something that's factored in. I think most schools are kind of integrating that into uh, into their planning. Um, the Texas Oklahoma thing obviously is a bombshell. Uh, it it uh, is going to has the, you know, the ability to affect changes in multiple conferences. And, and when something kind of starts at the top like that, there always seems to uh, be an inevitable cascading or domino effect, you know, with conference membership. We'll see where all that goes. You know, you hear lots of different things. Uh, you know, uh, it, I think what you know, most people would just be uh, speculating because I, I think, you know, if they, if they say they know anything, I think uh, most of what is, uh, is true is probably going on behind closed doors, right? Uh, not getting out there uh, too much in the general public. So uh, we'll have to see how it all, how it all plays out, but uh, it's definitely a, uh, a new time in college athletics. Jeff, do you see these things often lead to more partnerships among conferences where, say, some schools have football and some don't, or some have soccer and some don't, and they figure out ways to work together, maybe under interesting and sometimes difficult circumstances? I think it can have that effect, yeah. I mean, you know, with every move within a conference, you know, the uh, the impact on scheduling is always there, and, and the impact on only conference schedules, but non-conference schedules is there. You have leagues that uh, leave certain leagues, so members of that league may not be uh, agreeable to play those schools in the future, Uh, and that opens up opportunities for non-conference scheduling for for other leagues, and sometimes you do see, uh, you know, some kind of uh, almost consortium-type arrangement come together off of that for the short term uh and and so yeah that that can definitely be uh one of the side effects of of uh of, of realignment jeff i've seen some some doomsayers that that think that the ncaa is is kaput uh huh. you and i talked about that yesterday what's yeah. your thoughts on that doesn't there always have to be a sanctioning body i, I think so uh, I, I mean I, I think the ncaa um I think there's no doubt that their role is changing. Um, uh, you know, you know the comments Mark Emmer made the other day about, you know, maybe it's time uh, for, you know, I'm not quoting him word by word here, but basically saying that maybe conferences have to figure out some of the, their own rules and regulations. I think, you know, that's kind of a result of some of the ongoing litigation that the NCA has been involved in and some of the, large lawsuits uh, where they have antitrust matters involved in it. Uh, and, and the NCA, uh, you know, as the overall governing body may, uh, may be losing some of these lawsuits because they are the overall governing body. And, and uh, you know, if some of those decisions were made at the conference level, uh, then some of the antitrust issues might go away uh, because, uh, you know, antitrust is all based around competition and, and, um, lack or lack of competition uh and uh you know if the nca is involved at the top in some of these decisions then you know if the southern conference for example wanted to have a rule where we didn't give name image and likeness money to student athletes uh maybe we could do that uh 
um, because that student athlete would have the ability then to jump into a league that does offer that, you know, so that, that's one philosophy kind of floating out there. But, but I do think there is a need for some overall structure in college athletics and, and, um, the NCA does, you know, you know, they do championships very well. Uh, yeah, it's one of the things they do really well. Uh, I don't know that people want to give up March Madness or the NCA basketball tournament, uh, uh, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of financial stake in that with uh, the TV contracts and, and the, you know, the parody in college basketball that we see with Gonzaga's and, and people like that. I mean, I think there's, uh, you know, that's part of the, the college athletics model at this point. So it's, you know, I mean, not to say that there couldn't be some kind of breakaway at the top. I think anything's possible, but uh, I, I don't see it right now. But uh, but it's definitely, uh, you know, things are definitely changing with the way the NBA is, is going to have to conduct business, I think. Our guest is Jeff Cave, the Senior Associate Commissioner of the Southern Conference I know I probably speak for all of us, just hoping for a more normal sports season this time around. Who knows if it will be or not. You know, football up first and then basketball. Are are you optimistic that things can look a little more normal in 2021 than what we saw last year? Well, we're optimistic. Yeah, I think that's the plan that most people are operating under is that we're moving forward with more normal this year. Uh, I think a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, uh, when kids get back to campuses, which they're getting back, you know, now in some sports, you know, how much, you know, what their vaccination levels are, um, you know, what the testing protocol, I mean, I think, you know, for unvaccinated individuals, what those testing protocols are. Um, I think there's still obviously the risk out there of COVID. There's, uh, you know, there's the Delta variant. There's probably other variants that will follow that and, and we'll have to kind of follow the science on that and see how, you know, vaccines work against that. Um, uh, you know, how just the um, infusion of different safety protocols that I think most people will continue to, you know, use best practices and all their safety protocols, how that, you know, helps, helps us stay on a normal path. But uh, uh, that's the hope. <laughs> right now is yeah. that everything will be uh, more normal. I won't say normal, normal, but more normal. And uh, we just have to continue to monitor and, and be nimble, I think, uh, as, as, as things develop. Jeff, I, I was wondering if, if you had any name, image, and likeness stories uh, similar to the one that, that I heard the other day from a, an, let's say, upper mid-major coach who lost a recruit to a power conference when said power conference offered this recruit and he was a transfer, guaranteed that he could get 50000 in name, image, and likeness deals, bye-bye uh, recruit for the, for the mid-major. Have you heard any of that? And, and do you think there could be – could this make an even wider gap between mid-majors and power conferences? Well, first of all, I don't think that's permissible. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think uh, schools are able to set up those kind of deals for uh, student athletes. That, that would not be permissible. Uh, not to say that, uh, you know, uh, there aren't third-party companies uh, out there that um, uh, might make that possible for student athletes at certain schools, but, uh, but, but, um, you know, I think that's uh, – we'll have to kind of see as see on that. Um, you know, I mean, you, 
you hear all kinds of different things, right? I don't, I know I, know I don't understand social media as well as I need to, and how that's you know, how, how people are able to monetize that. Um, you know, I, I need to work on my followers and my influencer status. <laughs> I think you got uh, a cameo account, dude. Yeah. First, I got to create a, a you know some accounts. I think that's, that's where the dough is for these kids. It's the cameo. Yeah, it, it's it's that. It's the, uh, the the number of followers, and all I got to do is plug something in my uh, in my Twitter or plug something on my uh, TikTok, and all of a sudden I get paid for it. You're an influencer. Yeah. So I mean that that's a lot of what you're seeing uh, out there um, in that space right now. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it, it it's not only. Uh, you know, some of the bigger deals out there have been not at the high major level, but at, you know, places like Twins at Fresno State and, you know, that have a lot of TikTok followers and some other, you know, people at smaller schools that have these uh, these big social media followings, you know. So, it, you know, in some ways, uh, maybe it's uh, more of a level playing field than we thought it was. But <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah, but, uh, but it's it's so new. We'll have to see how it goes. It's it's um, you know certainly something that's kind of trendy right now. Um, you know, you, you saw a lot of activity on the first day that it was allowed. A lot of people announcing these deals, and you haven't seen as much of that yeah. uh, since then. So uh, I don't know how it's going to kind of all play out at our level. Um, I haven't heard too much about it uh, with our schools. We, you know, I haven't heard too many student athletes doing. Uh, you know, uh, much with name, image, and likeness right now. Not to say that they won't in the future, but uh, uh, I, I don't think it will be everybody. I think the, the interesting part will be to see how uh, how this impacts locker rooms. You know, when, yeah. when you got the quarterback at Alabama who hadn't played a down that's making a bunch of money. Uh, you know, how does how does that affect that locker room when you've got a lot of the kids that, uh, that that aren't getting that kind of money? That that that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. Jeff, uh, really interesting perspective on all this. Hopefully the next time we talk to you, you'll have your TikTok account up and running and, you know, being uh, you're raking in the dough. But uh, really, really good perspective as always, and we appreciate your time this morning. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'll have to get that up and running, have to <laughs> teach my pets how to do some tricks, and, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. He's Jeff Cabe, the Senior Associate Commissioner of the Southern Conference. Always great to have him with us. Thanks, guys. See you, man. You know, Chris, he covered a lot of really interesting territory, I thought. You asked some great questions, uh, especially the stuff there at the end about the name, image, likeness, uh, NIL things that uh, we're seeing get out there. And, and he's right. When it all started to go down, we heard a lot about different deals that were happening. Now it's more of a sort of a slow trickle about stuff. But I, I was down at SEC Media Days last week, uh, you know, when and Nick Saban was there, and he, and he mentioned about his quarterback, Bryce Young, getting a million dollars in endorsements. I think, though, you know, some of the, the smaller deals, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day, and they were um, going to get a, a pitching lesson from a college athlete. And, you know, just it puts a few bucks in the in the, the player's pocket and, and provides some good instruction for the younger person. And it's, it's really probably good for the athlete, too, to get a little taste of, a, you know, the coaching side of things. So I was like, you know what, that that part of it, to me, is good and and helps everybody involved and see nothing wrong with it. I talked to uh, Dennis Dodd uh, from CBSSports.com last week as well, and we were talking about the NIL stuff. And he said, yeah, you know, it's been up and running for three or four weeks. The world hasn't ended yet, but, uh, you know, people are going to figure out, uh, you know, 
the best practices and ways to make this work, and, and hopefully uh, there will be some sort of regulation to where it doesn't totally get out of hand. But uh, some interesting conversations uh, about that uh, new part of college athletics that came online at the beginning of July. Yeah, I've all. I mean, until recently, I've always thought a full scholarship and everything that comes with it and, and the cost of attendance, especially at your school, Vanderbilt, yeah. is a pretty darn good deal. But then I got to thinking about how many Peyton Manning jerseys did Tennessee sell when he was in college. And, you know, he should get some of that action, you know. And so I, I, I get it. I, I get it. Uh, my thought is is that, like that mid-major coach told me, clearly, well, there, there were several things wrong with what he told me because the player, and I, and I know the coach where the player transferred from, had to have been tampered with. Yeah. Like, people were talking to him before he entered the portal. Uh, so there was one strike. And, and, and then if this power conference school was actually guaranteeing, well, we can get you these kind of deals. Like Jeff said, that isn't right either. Sure. Because, you know, athletes are basically independent contractors here on these deals. Like, you know, John Fulkerson of Tennessee likes milk. So he goes over to Mayfield Dairy and, and uh, they tape a little thing where he's sampling buttermilk, which he does not like. Chocolate milk, which he does, and ice cream and, and stuff. I get all that. So, you know, yeah, it, it's probably fair, given given what these schools make on on name, image, language. So I'm good with it. I just hope that it doesn't widen the gap between yeah. mid-major and upper-major because it's already wide enough as it is. Yeah, I have some uh, ideas in mind for places around where we live that I, I wouldn't mind having a, a name, image, likeness deal with. There's a creamery down the road on the other side of Lebanon where we go to get homemade ice cream that's fantastic. Oh, gonna, there you go. I, need, I need to be working on that one for sure. What about that Mexican restaurant that we always go yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, we could go there. Yeah, they have a bunch of locations around the uh, mid-state here, so maybe, maybe that would work too. Uh, yep. Other basketball news, Gonzaga and UCLA are going to play November 23rd in Las Vegas as part of the Empire Classic. So we'll get a rematch of that uh, fantastic game in the Final Four. Rematch in quotations because the teams are never the same. But you think about that game, Jalen Suggs hit a 40-footer for the win after Johnny Juzang had tied it with three seconds left in overtime. Uh, the Zags won the game 93-90, got to the championship game, where, of course, uh, Baylor won. But to me, that, that was one of the great games in recent years in the NCAA tournament. I, I remember I was in uh, Baton Rouge after doing baseball and I just kind of sat there at the hotel and watched that game, and uh, probably people heard me yelling at the TV or something at the end. But, yeah, we'll get a uh, Gonzaga-UCLA matchup in Las Vegas around Thanksgiving, so that should be a lot of fun. ESPN also out with uh, its tournament schedule for the early season events. The event at Disney will be very interesting. Belmont was supposed to play in that last year, and it all got you know, the, the plug pulled because of uh, COVID. But Belmont right. against Drake, uh, Alabama, Iona, uh, North Texas, Kansas, Dayton against Miami, so some good teams there. Uh, hopefully I will be uh, making the trip to Hawaii for the Diamond Head Tournament. Vanderbilt plays Hawaii. It's Liberty in northern Iowa, Wyoming against Stanford, BYU, and South Florida. So uh, I'm uh, I'm hoping to make that trip with the family around Christmas time. so uh, that that should be fun too. So some, some good early season games that we'll be uh, seeing take place in November and December. That, that one at Diamond Head is right at Christmas time. I'm really looking forward to those. 
uh, of course, COVID really just, you know, threw a wet blanket over the schedule last year and, and made everything so unpredictable. I would hope that we've wrestled down this Delta variant uh, and the, the current uh, surge in cases by then, and, and we can kind of get back to normal. Uh, but yeah, the, the ESPN does a great job of, of some of those matchups. And I'm really curious to see Belmont down there yeah. in Florida. I think Belmont is a team that, you know, we, we seriously can rank them in our top 25. Ultimately, we probably won't, but they're good enough to beat plenty of teams in that top 25. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, especially with the experience factor involved, and you got guys coming back who've been in you know college basketball for five seasons. So, yeah, that 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 to me is one of the more interesting of those events. I, I've seen the matchup as well for uh, for Maui. It just uh, actually came out a little while ago. So, uh, all those things are falling into place, and uh, hopefully, we'll see all these events go down and, and feel a little more normal as far as that goes. I know we've both been uh, checking out some of the Olympics, and the uh, men's basketball team in the Olympics has uh, certainly been. A big topic of conversation after losing to France in the uh, the opening game, and even in some of the preliminary matchups that they played, uh, didn't go especially well. What do you see as being some of the issues there? I know some of the players were late arriving because they played all the way deep into the playoffs, into the finals. That that's a factor with guys who haven't played together all that much. But still, I, I guess I'm a little old school on this one in that. Even though the level of play and the amount of great international players has, has grown exponentially in the last few years, to me, the United States should still beat everybody in basketball. We invented basketball. We, we should beat everybody in basketball. But that's uh, not necessarily the case so far at these Olympic Games in Tokyo. Yeah, I you know, I, I think Coach Popovich said the gap is, is uh, narrowing. I'm not buying it, dude. I, I, I mean – Maybe in in China where there are just so many people, but still, it's it's not like the sport there. Uh, basketball is bigger in China, but I don't think it's like the sport. I mean, table tennis might be more widely watched in, in China because they're dang good at it. But I don't think it's that at all. I, you know, I think this year the the NBA finals butting heads with it. Evan Booker's got to be weary, you know. Yeah. Uh, LeBron James has got a movie to promote, and he's getting up there in age. I just think we need to refocus. Uh, obviously, in 92, uh, the dream team with Jordan and Barkley and Bird and Magic kicked everybody's butt. Uh, and then by 2004, we, we lost three games and had to settle for bronze. And then after that, in 08, we sort of regrouped. Kobe, LeBron, Dwayne, uh, nobody could touch us then. We won gold in 12 and 16. Now comes a year where the NBA stars have played weird schedules. They came out of a bubble, just a little bit of rest, had to start a new season. And then guys like Devin Booker, you know, just got done playing. Sure. And now they're – it's got to be hard, especially because they're – I mean, let's face it. These cats are wealthy. Uh, you know, they don't need money. They're doing it for love of country, and, and and they all love their country. I'm not saying they don't, but it's hard to get yourself back up. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the solution is, but I do know this. 
uh, Grant Hill, Jerry Colangelo has done a great job uh, leading up USA basketball. But Grant Hill's about to take over. Some new blood, some new ideas. Uh, Coach Pop won't be back either. Uh, you know, it's been speculated that perhaps they could find a more uh, a pl- player coach kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's brilliant. Don't get me wrong. So I think it's just a matter of some normalcy with the NBA schedule and maybe just doing a better job. And Grant Hill will know better than I, but kind of promoting it and and making sure that the pipeline of young players is is always there. Maybe it's not so much getting the LeBrons of the world, but developing younger players through a, a summer series of workouts and, and, and just the, the advantage that, that, that the rest of the world has that these teams play together. Right. And, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're grown men. Uh, they play together. It's their job. It's what they do. And you've got that experience factor and that chemistry factor. Now you've got a bunch of guys that were stars on their NBA teams. And a lot of them are not asked to do anywhere close to what they did for their team. So it's a tough adjustment. So I think it's just something that we've got to get back to. We just kind of threw a team together, let's be honest. Uh, And it's nobody's fault. I think COVID had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think the chemistry part of it is a big part of this the thing is there, there's still time the united states could still win this whole deal it's just any anytime this team drops a game there's a certain level of panic that goes with it because i think a lot of people are like me and, and, and expect big things every time a team wearing usa steps out on a basketball court so well we'll see where it goes from here and uh, there may be a happy ending yet for uh, for this uh, team in these olympics and Hopefully we will get a uh, gold medal or, or be on the podium anyway for our podcast. Uh, Chris is always great, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. And we always enjoy doing the podcast with you. Me too, buddy. Looking forward to it. He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We will talk to you next time.